Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Matriarch Motivation Podcast. You may be finding this podcast in podcast form or on YouTube. My name is Julia. I own Pretty Aggressive Industries. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition coach, and certified transformation coach. I also run a premium three-month coaching program based on the pillars of resiliency to help people learn to thrive in this life because simply surviving is bullshit. I created Matriarch Motivation for two reasons. First, to add to the choir of incredible, strong female voices who have or are already making their contribution by inspiring women to level up their minds, hearts, and lives, sharing stories and advice that encourage us to change the world. Second, to offer a voice I felt was missing in this community, specifically one that is based in the beliefs that events and changes come from within us. The universe does not move our mountains. We do. We need to stop offering credit to the cosmos, calling ourselves lucky and blessed. We bring out what we, we bring in what we put out. We earn what we work for. So today's topic is choosing not to be the victim. First, I'm going to put a disclaimer here. Yes, violence against women and sexual assault is unacceptable. I believe in zero tolerance for unsolicited harm from men against women. That includes harassment, stalking, or even attempted advances past a stated boundary or a simple no thank you. I am not arguing or discrediting the validity of those women being victimized in those instances. That is someone else's actions putting you in the circumstantial place of a victim. So don't bother sending me hate mail arguing that many women are truly victimized and the following podcast is disrespectful to their struggle or belief, uh, struggle or grief. I have been the victim in multiple assaults, including the worst kind of sexual assaults. I lived for a time with the proud label of survivor, and now I live beyond both those labels of victim and, sur- and survivor, which is what I'm here to talk about. So story time. In late March 2020, I began dating someone. Things went extremely well. He lived an hour away, and between my childcare schedule, my workout schedule, studying for my personal training certification, running a weekly podcast with my roommate, and building the background framework for my business, I was able to see him about once a week overnight. Then we soon agreed to blend our kids, and we were able to see each other twice a week. Things were great, and I was very happy. Fast forward to the end of June. The world was opening up. I had gained my personal trainer certification, I began training, my surrogacy journey was beginning, my daughter would be back to preschool, and I was set to launch my business for the start of July. Needless to say, I was fucking busy. Through all of this, the guy I was dating was hugely supportive. He told me he admired what I was doing and respected me. He assured me that he understood how much I had on my plate, and it wasn't a problem. I really appreciated his attitude, and it kept me very devoted to him. On a busy morning, after dropping both the girls off at school, then starting a long day of travel to a medical appointment, I finally carved a moment to send a morning message to my lovely guy, asking if we could get a good morning phone call. I received a text message back, getting dumped. Multiple long-winded texts about how no other guy would tolerate how little he gets to see me, that he won't play second fiddle in any woman's life, and I should have called him on my drive to my appointment, and how shitty it makes him feel I don't give him more attention. Along with a boatload of other shit, like how loving I was and how much he learned from me, but he was done with me. I was shocked and crushed, but also pissed off. 
I put my phone away, took a deep breath, pulled out a book, and made the choice to enjoy the rest of my day and its events. I'd have my cry later. I would be gentle with myself for a few days, lean on some friends, and push forward. I would grieve, but I would accept. The problem was, he didn't. The next day, he messages me, hey babe, how are you feeling today? Fuck no. Let's get this story rolling. He apologizes, he makes excuses for his behavior, continues to explain how I brought it on myself. Again, fuck no. I spend a few days engaged in the back and forth. Then I explain that I carved time to have a good relationship with him, but I will not carve time to fight with him. It's done. I block his number. Does the story end here? Of course not. At one point, he showed up outside my apartment building with flowers and chocolate, calling and texting through Facebook Messenger, asking me to come out and see him. I was actually out already and staying out until his messages finally said that he was giving up and was going home. Four and a half hours later. Over the course of the next month and a half, on a routine weekly basis, he continues to find alternate social media accounts to contact me through, begging to talk to me, explain himself, apologize, even telling me that the fucking shaman he sees says we're meant to be together and are supposed to have a kid together. I systematically have to continue blocking him from my personal accounts, my business accounts, and even the Insta account he has for his dog. It ends with me contacting the police, requesting to file for harassment. They instruct me to warn him first that if he contacts me again, I will file. Does he listen? No. So the police phone him and warn him to stop contacting or he will be charged. This is mid-August, a month and a half later. I want every woman to hear me loud and clear. I want every man to hear me loud and clear. When a woman says, don't talk to me, don't come near me, stop contacting me, there is no reason, no excuse, not a single justification you can create in your fucking head that makes it okay for you to contact her again. Nothing, nada, zip. If she blocks you on one account or through one mode of communication, her forgetting to block you through other avenues is an oversight, not a fucking tease. And when she calls the cops on you, she's not being unreasonable. She's fucking scared because you don't seem to understand the word stop or don't which is how rape happens. Now, here's where shit gets really interesting. On Christmas day, I check my social media and find that I've had a message request on my Instagram. It's this fucking idiot asking me not to call the police, asking if I'm still mad at him, asking if I'll talk to him, wishing me and my daughter a Merry Christmas, saying that he still thinks of me all the time and that if I block him, he'll understand. My question is, what was it about blocking your phone number, your Facebook account from my two Facebook accounts, both of your Instagram accounts from both of my Instagram accounts, and then calling the fucking cops on you? Didn't you understand first? I screenshot it, then block him. And for the next week and a half, become distraught with anxiety. At this point, I'm six months pregnant with a surrogacy. Survival and protection hormones are a little higher than usual. I weigh out calling the cops. I make excuses that it's the holidays, 
that I don't want to deal with it right now? What day should I call? Should I just email the officer that I filed the original report with? At this point, my days are mostly fine. I keep busy enough and have enough going on during the day. I can control my thoughts. But as soon as I turn out the light at night, my brain lights up like fireworks. He's shown up at my apartment before. Will he show up at my gym or somewhere else in town? He knows I spend time. What would happen? I lay awake for hours, multiple nights in a row, running through all of the scenarios. Him seeing me through the window at the gym and causing a scene of him banging on the front windows, of him yanking the doors open. I become internally terrified, laying rigid in bed. What would I do? Would he approach me, begging me to listen the same way his messages did? Would I get my would I get to my phone in time to call the cops? Would another gym member intervene? If I put my arms up and try to back away, would he grab my wrists? Would he put back me into a corner? Would I trip and fall? Would he chase me if I ran? Would I be able to think clearly, diffuse the situation, get away, run, protect myself? What about the safety of the child I'm carrying? He's bigger than me, he's stronger than me, and obviously isn't thinking reasonably. How fast would the police come? How embarrassing it would be, how much shame and humiliation I would feel being involved in that circumstance in public or in the gym where I train and work. How long would it take to recover emotionally from that trauma? How scared it would make the intended parents of this baby I was carrying, having to tell them after the event. I begin living the potential future trauma in my head over and over and over. His message said, I still think about you all the time. My thoughts in the dark as I lay awake in my bed, sometimes until four in the morning, would become a hurricane of obsessive fear and torment. And then it would go so far as being worried that the fear hormones running through my body were creating stress for the baby, that this child would come out with the genetic markers of believing it was in danger while in the womb. I would try to convince myself to call the police the next day, then talk myself out of it not finding room in my schedule full of clients or being with my daughter or work or anything. So it crept into my days as I became sleep deprived on top of my full schedule and pregnancy. Knowing what had kept me awake bled into my days. I started to watch for his truck around town. Seeing one that looked like his pull up near me would trigger me. He was in the category of men that weren't hearing my no, stop, don't, go away, leave me alone. He doesn't listen. How far will he take this? Six months after I call the police on him, and not only is he still thinking about me, he was still after me. Eight days after New Year's, full of anxiety and fear and lack of sleep, I emailed the original officer I had filed the report with. The response was disappointing. I was asked if I had blocked him or engaged, and if I had blocked him, hopefully that would be enough that it's really hard to file harassment for online contact. I replied, restating my concerns, that previous requests for him to stop clearly weren't working and I was afraid for my safety. Again, the officer's reply was, if there's direct contact, please call the police station. If it is urgent, call 911. I felt so let down. I felt cheated out of protection. The law couldn't or wouldn't put a barrier between me and him. I gained no safety and no comfort. 
Soon after this exchange, I put a post out on my local mom's Facebook group, giving a brief overview of the situation and requesting love, positive energy, and support to be sent my way by the community of women I live in, just so I could get through my day. Not only did I have a huge heartwarming response by the women in my community, I also received stories from women who have been in similar situations and worse. Women who shared their stories of my worst nightmares being realities they've lived through. Some of them suggesting that I contact my local victim services and that they've been really helpful for women in my situation. Victim services. I took note of that one. I rolled that one around for a bit. These women's stories showed a theme. Harassment files, restraining orders. They're just pieces of paper. They're just file folders stored in stacks of other file folders in cabinets in an office. That's not safety. That's not prevention. When someone is an aggressor or an attacker, it is or is set on an obsessive idea, filing a report is about as disarming as a paper cut. These men don't back down until they're put down. The label victim. What am I the victim of? What services does my situation call for? At this point, it took me less than a day to have a very deep fucking reality check. I don't do victim. That's not me. Somehow, somewhere in this situation, I got lost. I had allowed myself to be led astray. I was imagining myself as the victim, the attacked, the frail, the chaste, on the defense in this situation. I had slipped into a mindset I had spent the last three years designing myself beyond. I don't do victim. I don't do scared. By the time I was 17, I could drink a hockey team under the table. By the time I was 22, I had gifted more black eyes and split lips than I had been gifted. I gave birth drug-free in my house. I started boxing training at six months with this pregnancy. I've pulled a pit bull off my daughter. I'm frequently the only woman enjoying the mosh pit at a black metal concert. I keep a tarp, a rope, a hatchet, and a baseball bat in the back of my vehicle and joke that it's my ex-boyfriend kit. I don't do victim. Intimidating is one of the top pieces of descriptive feedback I get from men I meet. How someone else treats me does not define me, and it shouldn't define you. I know how powerful I can be. I know what I'm capable of. I know I am not a force one should reckon with. My thoughts had made the switch. If Mr. showed up wanting to talk to me, if he approached me in public and wouldn't listen to me telling him to go away, back off, take a hike, he wasn't going to be taken away by the cops. The best defense is a calculated offense. I stopped imagining him finding me. I'm not operating from the mindset of hoping to survive an attack or a trauma anymore. I'm training as a warrior every day. That is a mindset. That is a choice, a decision. Men who come after us are single-minded. They have a focus which can be an asset, but it often comes from a place of desiring control, derived from current insecurity. They want something they know they don't currently possess. They are fighting to take. As women, 
when you begin operating on the inside at a higher level, as a thriver, as a protector, as a well-tuned, well-trained warrior, it doesn't matter if you're dealing with emotional blackmailing relatives or in-laws or a physically abusive ex-husband. Your purpose is greater and makes you the dominant force in all situations. Police reports usually label the victim as the person who comes out more injured. You have a very high potential to offer that label to the person who started out as your attacker. When we battle the uncertain in our minds, those future situations and outcomes that cause us fear, anxiety, worry, distress, I encourage you to choose who you're going to be in that situation beforehand. The more you imagine a situation unfolding in your favor, the more energy you're manifesting to have it turn out that way. Tap into your ferocity, your inner warrior. If you don't feel powerful, if you still feel scared, start training. Learn to develop your knowing. Internal power is built and earned. It is not reserved for a special selected few. It's for those who put in the work, which you are capable of. Choose not to be the victim. Choose the path of victor. It takes work, but it's not beyond your reach. We'll see you next time.